Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So today we're going to continue the series and... um, Today we're going to talk about the apostle or the disciple, Matthew. Everybody say Matthew. Matthew is a little more well known because of the first book of the New Testament because it bears his name. There are some disputes about who wrote the book of Matthew. By the way, when you research uh, things in scripture, go beyond Wikipedia and also go beyond Google. There are some great study tools out there by people of integrity that you want to research. Don't, don't try, try to stay away from the secular platforms, okay? Uh, there's an agenda with that. <clears throat> there's people control that, a secular agenda with that stuff, so you have to be careful, okay? Matthew put these stories together. Someone later <clears throat> edited and translated them. But he was there. We know he was there. The Bible tells us he was there. Even the stories before he came in chapter 9, where we're going to start reading, he collected the information from the other fellow disciples before he got there. So I want to look in um, Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to pick up the story where Matthew comes on the scene. Are y'all ready to read the Word today? Hope you brought your Bibles. Uh, we bring our Bibles, iPads, whatever you, you use to read the Bible. Um, curious, just curious. Pastor question. What kind of translations are we reading out there? Just curious. Not, don't mean you're bad. Don't, don't think, oh, I don't even know. You may not like that translation. No, no. New Century, NIV, okay. Christian Standard, okay. Anybody reading from the Passion? Alicia's reading from Passion, okay. New King James, Okay, a lot of that. Okay. What's that, Monica? Modern English. Okay. Good stuff. So there's some really good translations. I, I typically read on the platform from NIV, uh, or NLT, or New King James, typically. Uh, it just depends on <laughs> what's going on at that moment. So I like to read a lot through the different translations. I will read uh, one translation passage, and then I'll read it again in another translation and another translation. So that's how I like to do it. I'll, I'll go back and forth because I want to get the full scope of what's going on in some different verbiage. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's pick up Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And he says two really pivotal words. What are those words? Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. Tax collectors are so bad, they have their own category. (laughs) And apparently they're categorized with sinners. Tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the religious church folks of the city (laughs) saw this, they asked his disciples, 
Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. And I think you could really say those that think, think they're righteous. I think that would be a really good way to say that. But he said, I've come for those that, that know, hey, I messed up, and I mess up, and I need Jesus in my life. Can I hear an amen on that? Okay. So this same story <clears throat> is in Mark, and it's in Luke. The only difference is in Mark and Luke, they're not going to refer to Matthew as Matthew. They're going to refer to him as Levi. Okay, so that's important. That's going to be important in a moment, okay? Um, I want to start here. So I want to start first with Matthew with his location. Everybody say location. So he was at, in this story, when Jesus found him, he was at a tax collector's booth. A tax collector's booth in that day was much like a toll booth in our day. It meant you weren't going to have passage through without paying your taxes. So they had, um, let's see if my memory serves me right, they had personal tax, uh, they had business tax, and they had property tax. So really they were taxed just for existing and walking down the road. That sounds familiar. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So anyway, this was, this was the scene when Jesus finds him, and that's why they were hated, because of the tax. And I'm going to explain that here in just a moment. They were taxed on everything. Have you all ever heard this, all roads lead to Rome? You ever heard that? Okay. The reason for that is, is when Rome would come in and occupy a nation, they would first build infrastructure for the trade routes. So even though the Hebrew people didn't want Rome, what Rome was importing, they still had to pay for it. Isn't that what our enemy does? <laughs> we have to pay for it, and it's not even what we want. That's what sin does in your life. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. So the devil, here's the thing about the enemy. Forever... For every, every dollar, you're going to pay him back a hundred. Okay? Sin is hard on you. Sin is hard on you. Have you all ever seen a 70-year-old drug dealer? No, because they're all dead. Okay? So, sin is hard on you. Sin has a price to pay. And so the enemy, that's what the enemy does. He, he, he does things and then makes us pay for it. That's happening in America. There is no telling what we're paying for in taxes. There's, there's no telling the evil that we're paying for. There's no telling what, what is being passed in Washington that we're paying for. It's corrupt. It's, it's just evil. I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to get off on that tangent, but I'm saying the enemy will make you pay for things you don't want to pay for. So we see his... Location, and now I want to look at Matthew's occupation. Everybody say occupation. Occupation um, comes from the root word in Latin to find your voice. So I want to think of vocation today. When I say vocation, I don't really want, to, really want us to think about a job. I want us to think about a calling. I think the better question is, what are you called to do? 
Not what you do for a living, but what are you called to do? I, I think that is a way better question. Uh, I was looking over here at Brian and Crystal Brooks. Brian was started off in ministry, but the Lord called him to corporate America. He knows. They both know that is a calling that God has them in. That, that's what he's called to do. And now he works there at Murphy USA, and that's how he got here. But do you see, Brian is not chasing, and Crystal are not chasing finances. They're chasing a calling. This is what God called me to do. Uh, Jerry, you're the same way, brother. God called you here into business, but it's a calling. Y'all see what I'm saying? So not necessarily what, it can be what you're, what you're doing as far as your vocation, but today I'm talking about a calling. Everybody say calling. And late last night, uh, I don't know, around 11, I guess, the Lord said, pick up your notes. So I started picking up my notes, and the Lord started shifting this message, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. But he started changing this. Now, I'm going to talk about Matthew, but I'm going to talk a lot about calling today, okay? And here's how I want to talk about calling. Have y'all ever heard this? Your high calling. Everybody say high calling. It means God is calling you up to a place of authority. It's what we've been talking about in this message series already, spheres of influence that only you can hold. See, we're talking about these two guys. These are two of many guys that we could point out in this room. But when they're on their job, that's a sphere of influence. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Now, this is not narcissistic thinking that God has created you like no other individual who has ever been or ever will be. I want to take a bat. You know, I want to be like Jesus in the temple. I want to take a bat to that, that erroneous humanistic thinking that, w that we all evolve from something and then we're all just alike. That is a bunch of garbage from the pits of hell. We are not all just alike. God created us uniquely. Amen? And humanism claims that you're narcissistic because we believe in the uniqueness of God and the way God created us in His image. Garbage. Garbage. Okay? Write this down. Your vocation is you finding your voice. So when we're talking about a calling, we're talking about you finding your voice. Matthew was a tax collector, but that was not his high calling. A tax collector was a, a, a very unpopular, but it was very profitable. This was not like the R IRS today, although kind of, sort of. Cut that out of the video, Pastor D. <laughs> no, I don't care. Put it in there. I don't care. Sorry, suckers, take me off the air. I don't care. <laughs> but in this day, they made up the rules as they went. Not much different than today. <laughs> this was more like the mafia. So what they would do is they would get what Rome, this is tax collectors, they would tax what Rome required. And then they would add extra fees on top of that to put in their pocket. There was no accountability. There was no covering. There was no anything, accountability at all. So what they would do is, this is how they got rich. They would get what Rome wanted, and then they would add fees. Have you ever noticed when you buy stuff today, it's like, well, the price is this, but then they start tacking on these fees, and you're like, dear Lord, what is this? I don't even know what that is. It's crooked. It's greed. Verizon. He just said Verizon. Hey, Verizon, you listening? AT&T. 
Yeah, all of it, right? They, ta they tax on these fees, which is greed. We want more. It's not enough. The price is not enough, so we want more. Because we've got to get more out of you. And it's greed. That's what it is. And that's what tax collectors, they were very greedy. It reminds me of a guy one time. I was trying to do business with this guy. And you'll learn this about me. I like to do business local. I don't care if I pay more for it. I would rather look the guy in the eyes and do business with a guy right here in our city or our county or whatever in our community. I, I'm not big on this internet stuff, okay? I mean, I use it. We have to use it, you know, just because we live in small town USA. But I don't like it. Pastor D will tell you, I don't like it. I'll say, if we're going to buy something, you buy it. I'm not getting on there. I'm wasting my time. I want to look at somebody in the eyes. Right? I like to do business the old-fashioned way. So I was trying to, to do business with this guy one time because he was local. And I was getting the same service every time. It wasn't like I was getting less or more. I was doing the same thing every single time. And I noticed the price was always different. I was like, man, what is going on? So I kept doing it a few times, and finally I realized, and one time it was just astronomical. I was like, dude, what is going on? And I finally realized he was charging me, I think, for whatever he was short that day. <laughs> it's like, man, I got so many hundreds of dollars here I got to spend, you know, have before the day's over with, so he just started to charge Jason for it. I don't know. So I quit using him. <laughs> but that's what a tax collector did. They just made it up as they went. That's why they were so hated. It was corrupt. The only people they could hang out with was other tax collectors because nobody could stand them. Nobody wanted to be around them. So the only, only people they could have a relationship with was other tax collectors. Now, I want to go over, so we did his location, we did his occupation, and now I want to go over Matthew's gifts and abilities. Matthew was bilingual. He spoke the language of Rome. He also spoke Aramaic, which was what Jesus spoke. And he also spoke Hebrew. So do you see why he was appealing for Rome to put in this position? Because he'd have to speak to different dialects to collect taxes. He was a bookkeeper. He kept records and accounts. He kept details. So this gives us insight into Matthew a little more. Matthew also had an inter interesting pedigree. In Mark and Luke, they referred to him, and I've already said this, but this is important because this is a big part of the message today. They referred to him as a Levi or as Levi. Okay? You can look at this. You can study this. And I tend to believe this. But because they called him Levi, there are many theologians and so forth that believe that Matthew came from the tribe of Levi. Okay? which means he came from the Levitical tribe of Israel. If you ever want some fun reading, read the book of Leviticus. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> the reason the book of Leviticus is so hard to read is because it's a rule book for the, the Levitical priesthood. That's what it is. So it's a little hard for us to read because we don't understand it, but that, that was their rule book. So Levites were, were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Levites were priests. They were the go-between in the Old Testament between heaven and earth. Now we have Jesus, praise God. Okay, he's the high priest forever. So when the Israelites moved into the land God called them to, which is now what we call modern-day Israel, uh, the Bible refers to it as Canaan, uh, when they moved in, they all, every tribe, there were 12 tribes, every tribe got an inheritance of land. So every person got land, except for 
the Levitical tribe. So all the tribes got an inheritance but the Levitical tribe. The Levitical tribe was the priestly tribe. They were the ones that were in control of the temple. So they were the ministers of that day. They did not get an inheritance. Their inheritance was the anointing or their purpose. So instead of an inheritance, they received the tithe. The tithe that come into the temple. That's how they survived. That's how that was their inheritance. Their job was ministry, and it was their birthright. So when you think about this and their role, it begs the question, how could Matthew, the one with the most pedigree to be called a disciple of Jesus, the one by birthright could be a priest, how, he, he could, be a, could have been a priest, end up working for the enemy of God's people? How could he have fallen so far? Unlike the other disciples, Matthew was not seeking Jesus when Jesus found him. Jesus was seeking him. So, he was born, so to speak, in the house of God, but walked away from his purpose and his calling, and he started working for the enemy. So this was what I like to call a counterfeit calling. Everybody say, a counterfeit calling. So instead of receiving tithe and blessing the individual who gave the tithe, now, which is a divine exchange, by the way, instead of tithe blessing, now we see a counterfeit calling, which is a curse. Instead of tithe blessing, we now have tax curse. Do you see how the enemy adulterated the calling that was on his life? So there is a blessing attached to the high calling. And there is a curse attached to the ambition that you and I may have. So the Bible talks about it in one translation in James 3 about selfish ambition. And where there's selfish ambition, there's all kinds of evil. And that's what we see here with tax collectors. Matthew was not pursuing his high calling, but Jesus knew not to judge a book by its cover. He did not judge a seeker by the situation because Matthew was still a seeker. He was seeking something genuine and real. Can I hear an amen? And by the way, it just started raining. And that means you don't want to go out and get wet, so let's go as long as we need to. Okay, because you're going to get wet if you go outside. So just stay in here. It's nice and cozy, okay? Lord, keep the power on. That would be a great thing. Okay. So, Matthew was seeking something genuine and real. Everybody say genuine and real. Why would he go so opposite than the priesthood? So I have a question. I don't know. This is just my theory. Take it or leave it. It's not a heaven or hell thing, so nobody's going to get corrupt if I tell you this. But could it have been that he was church hurt? I don't know. I think it's a possibility. When Jesus found him, he was in direct opposition to his anointing and his calling. What would cause, again, it begs the question, what would cause someone to go so far away from their origin? Well, let's explore that. So I want to explore that for a moment. Right before Jesus and John the Baptist stepped on the scene, there were 400 years of silence, meaning a famine from hearing the Word of God. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament in your Bible, in that blank spot in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's what I'm talking about, there was 400 years of silence. 
meaning God was not speaking, meaning that when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to make atonement, that, that the presence of God was not even there. There was nothing even stirring in the Holy of Holies. There were no prophets. No one was speaking. Nothing was happening. You talk about the Dark Ages. That's what was happening. So there was nothing really happening. So when, when John the Baptist shows up, and Jesus, of course, shows up afterwards, but John showed up as one crying in the wilderness, he would have been the next high priest after his father. The only problem is, and by the way, Jesus came at a pivotal time in history. I mean a pivotal time. Because the Old, Covenant, Old Testament, the old system, if you will, was broken. It was just broken. So here comes John the Baptist, and here comes Jesus, of course, after John. But John is crying as one in the wilderness, but it was a broken system that was going on. And what it was is it was religion. Religion. What is the meaning of religion? Religion, this is the meaning of religion. Religion is repetition. It's repetition. When you do something out of repetition to get the presence of God, that is repetition or religion. I'm just doing these acts over and over again. I'm praying, you know, so many prayers, declaring this, declaring that. I'm doing the same thing the same way every single time I come into church, and it's just boring, and I'm just sitting here doing a bunch of things. That is religion. And it's all an attempt to get the presence of God. But it becomes a ritual. And let me, let me oh, Lord, let me go here. It not only becomes, becomes repetition with religion, but it becomes a business. Church becomes a business. By the way, this is not a business and I'm not a CEO. Okay? This is the church of Almighty God. Okay? You don't run a church like you run a business. Okay? That's what religion is. It's just a business. I'm just here, just saying a bunch of words, doing a bunch of things, a bunch of religious rituals, and I'm trying in an attempt to get the presence of God, but the presence of God hadn't been in that church in 100 years. Okay? That system has become corrupt. John the Baptist turned his back on it, and now I think we're seeing Matthew turn his back on it. Matthew could have been saying, if I'm going to be crooked, I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to do it in the name of the Lord. I'm going to be a tax collector. If I'm going to be crooked, I'm just going to be real crooked. Even though he had a bad taste in his mouth toward religion, he had a hunger and a desire for something real and genuine. How do you know that, Pastor? Because when Jesus said in this passage that we read, he, when he said, come follow me, you don't see any hesitation in Matthew. He left what he was doing, and he started following Jesus, and he threw a party, and he invited all his friends. Y'all see that? So I think that Matthew was looking. He was seeking something. He didn't know what he was seeking, but he was seeking something that was real and not religious. And so the point is, let's never judge seekers by their outside appearance. Because the in, on the inside, you never know what's going on inside of a person. So all of these disciples had something different they brought to the table. I've often wondered if, if there were 12 of them, if they all come from a different tribe of Israel, but we have no evidence of that. But the number 12 keeps coming up. 
He definitely chose these guys for their diversity and talent, influence, background, testimony. Why? Because their high calling was to be a voice to a particular group of people. When Matthew starts his book, it is aimed toward the Jewish ear. Why? Because he found his voice and he found his gift. He has the pedigree of priesthood. He has the testimony of church hurt. He's been in the world. He's been out of the world. He's been in the enemy's camp. And then he comes back with the book of Matthew to say, I'm going to give you all the evidence I can that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, which was his purpose. And not only was that his purpose, but someone from the tribe of Levi had to put their blessing on this story. And it was Matthew. Matthew put his blessing on the story that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So let's talk more about this high calling. We're going to throw Matthew in here a little bit. But but I want to talk more because the Lord shifted this message last night. I want to talk more about high calling. I want to read Romans 11 verse 29. Romans 11, verse 29, if we could put that up. For God's gifts and his call, everybody say call, they're irrevocable. Everybody say irrevocable. Here's what that means. Even if you don't use the gift and call he's given you, like a Matthew, which was a lower calling, a lower mindset, maybe he was serving his own ambition, maybe we're serving our own ambition, but even if you use it Uh, on yourself or you misuse it or you abuse the calling on your life God will not take it back he put a call on your life and you can use it or not use it but every person in this room has been called to something everybody without exception Um, when I was thinking about this last night I didn't have a lot of time to think about it but when I was thinking about this passage last night I thought about global celebrities that prove this point. And the first person I thought about was Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was called and anointed by God. Uh, my father-in-law was here last week, and I had missed those amens so much. I was hoping he would be here today. But uh, he'll be back. But he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He'll be back. But... Um, my father-in-law was telling me one day, we were at his house, and Nana loved Elvis Presley, my mother-in-law. She loved Elvis Presley. And did he come to Monroe, to the Civic Center? So he came to the Monroe Civic Center, and, and Brother Mike, my father-in-law, he said, Jason, he said, I have never in my life felt the energy that I felt in that room. He said, when that man walked into the room, he said, women were just falling out. Just slain in the spirit (laughs) he said I have never in my life experienced an energy he said it was almost like it was tangible the energy that was in that room why was that Elvis Presley was anointed he just used his anointing in the wrong place oh well he sang some gospel songs yeah he threw a little tip to God But that was not his purpose. And you know what the devil did? He destroyed him. You know what the devil did? He attacked his mind. Because he was using his purpose for another purpose. Do y'all see that? So I I thought about this. I wrote this down last night. So this is fresh stuff, okay? (laughs) But how many callings and anointings are now secular, but they started off in a sacred place? 
They're now secular, but they started sacred. It's a high calling. I believe everyone has a follow me moment, but they have a choice to make. So many people are directly working against God's purpose and they don't even know it. There are so many people focusing their time and their energy and their effort on all these things. And God is like, what are you doing? You're so distracted. You're so busy. You're you're putting all your time, all your effort, all your resource into this thing over here. And God's like, I didn't even call you to do that. And there are so many people that are convinced they're doing God's work and they're actually doing a disservice to God's work. What is your high calling? What is your high calling? Here's what I know about Jesus asking us to follow Him. It's not just a one-time thing at salvation. Now, I've got to say this because I don't want any emails. Oh, my Lord. I believe in salvation. Salvation is essential. It is essential. Y'all hearing me out there in camera land? It is essential. Salvation is essential. Everybody say it's essential. But I want to say this, and I'm not trying to get off into this crazy doctrine, but listen to me. Saying yes to Jesus is not just a one-time thing. It is not just a one-time thing. I keep constantly saying yes to Jesus every single day of my life. Every moment of my life, I am giving a choice to say no to Jesus or yes to Jesus. In every situation, in every situation, everything I do, every person I talk to, if I'm a businessman, every business deal I make, I'm saying either no or yes. Am I following Jesus every day? Yes, you should be. Because every moment of your life is a say yes to follow him moment. Every moment is a say yes. You keep moving. Listen to me. You keep moving into your destiny. Here's what, what I know. We have no idea all the gifts and talents and abilities that are in us because we are not our own makers. He is our maker. And I think that we don't even have a clue you know, to me, what, one of the saddest things when I do a funeral is to sit here in a church building or a funeral home or wherever I'm doing a service and look in a casket and go, man, I wonder if that old boy fulfilled his purpose. Well, I know he hunted a lot. I mean, that's all I really got from the family. He liked to hunt. Great. Well, he, he loved his job. He was there all the time. But what did he do for the kingdom? What did he give to the kingdom? How did he move the kingdom? Amen. Praise you, Lord. We have no idea the abilities, gifts, and talents that God has in us. Sometimes he makes us find them. Why would God make us find our gifts and talents and abilities? Because... If he gave them to us before it was time, we would abuse them and use them. So sometimes he makes us find them. So we're ready and we won't self-destruct when we find our calling. Amen? Until we get the right seed and the right soul, we're never going to have everything God promised us. Matthew, follow me out of your past. Follow me out of your circle of friends. Follow me from your vocation. Follow me, Matthew, from your church hurt. 
fixing to give you a nugget. Everybody got your pens? Write this down. We will never find our appointment with God until we follow Him out of our disappointment. We will never find our appointment with God until we follow Him out of our disappointment. Which means we don't sit around and go, woe is me. No, change the conversation. Write this down. Your disappointment can get in the way of your divine appointment. Your disappointment can get in the way of your divine appointment. Jesus is like, I appointed you. Quit worrying about what disappointed you and stop putting that in a premier place in your life. Quit worrying about what disappointed you because I have appointed you. Write this down. This is good. All the young people in the room, write this down. Young adults in the room, write this down. One of the greatest men of wisdom that was ever in my life. He's dead and gone now. Not my dad, another man. He told me this one day riding to Shreveport, Louisiana in a car. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I've used it so many times. Write it down. Purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose is better than a paycheck. Purpose is better than a paycheck. When you find your purpose, you'll never work another day in your life. Purpose, everybody say it, purpose is better than a paycheck. We are called to a higher place. I believe personally we can have several careers or purposes, so to speak, as long as we keep saying yes to Jesus and we, and we keep following Him. I was talking to somebody the other day that I admire and we were talking, we went into a big long conversation about how as you get older, your purpose changes. You know, five years ago when we merged these churches together and it became one community church, my vision then and my vision now are drastically different. And when I talked about two months, spending two months praying, what was I doing? I was getting new vision. I was getting new orders from headquarters. Because my desires and my passions have changed from five years ago to what they are today. I've gotten older in five years. I'm now looking toward the finish line. And I'm saying, when I cross the finish line, what do, what do I want to have had accomplished when I cross that finish line? Do you see the difference? So now I'm looking a little different. I'm looking through different lenses now. Question, write this down. How much of your life is motivated by other people's expectation of you? How much of your life is motiv motivated by other people's expectations of you? When you're young, I would say there's a lot more of that. You're more worried about what people think, and you want to make an impression or whatever, and you want to get on TikTok and be a celebrity. I don't know what kids do nowadays. But as you get older, and I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting to the place, I don't care what anybody thinks. I just don't care anymore. About killed me caring what people think like to put me in the hospital. I, I, I don't care anymore. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. Listen, do you know how impossible it would be to make everybody like you? Impossible. It's, it's impossible. Everybody's not going to like you. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Just to learn that. Everybody's not going to like me. Really? But I'm a princess. 
No, you're not. <laughs> amen. Church said another amen. People are hungry for real, authentic people who will tell them the truth. Not sugarcoat it. Tell them the truth. No expectations, just the truth. Now, I want to shift gears and again, and I, I want to finish this message because God told me last night to do this, so I've got to do it. I want to talk more about high calling. It won't take long, but I want to read to you Proverbs 27, 17. This was already in the notes. It was already planned, so I'm going to read it. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. My pastor tells me that every time he sees me. Every time we get on the phone, I say hello, and he quotes Proverbs 27, 17 to me every time. There's my brother, he says. There he is. And he'll say, he'll say iron sharpens iron. And sparks fly. That's right, Jerry. Listen to 1 Timothy 4, 7. In the New American Standard Bible. I don't think I've ever used this one in here. But look, look at this. Let's look at this. What does this say here? Look at the last part. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now we're talking about 12 disciples. We get disciple from the word discipline. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Everybody say discipline. So keep that up there for a moment. So what this is saying is the end is godliness, but the means to get to godliness is discipline. So if you want godliness, you have to be disciplined. That's what I take from that. So the end is godliness, the means to get to godliness is discipline. And then he goes on, I don't think they got this, but if you keep on reading, he says, bodily exercise profits little. So it does profit, exercising profits, but it profits little. So what that means is physical exercise is not eternal. I know all my gym people here love to go to the gym. And I love you going to the gym because, listen, we got to be healthy. I mean, I would hate to know I died before my time and did not fulfill my purpose. So we need to be healthy. It's great to exercise and to live a long life and to to work as long as you can for the kingdom and all that and to live a good, healthy life. So exercise, I'm certainly not saying that, but I am saying this, exercise, bodily exercise is not eternal. Meaning you can't take it with you to heaven. And I just wonder how many Christians spend hours and are so disciplined in the gym, but they're so slackful when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. They don't, they, don't, they don't spend the discipline time with God, which is eternal. Spiritual disciplines are eternal. Physical disciplines are not eternal. Does that make sense? Okay. So the godliness, godliness results from spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are both personal and corporate, meaning coming together in a scene like this. One of the reasons Matthew lives in direct opposition to his calling is because he was collected around the wrong people. It was relationships. I said this other day out of my mouth. I never said it in my life, but I said this. And I thought it was good, so I wrote it down. Nothing flushes out your motivations like the people you hang out with. If I want to see what motivates you, all i got to do is see who you hang out with. And I'll know what motivates you. So if you're a duck hunter, you hang out with duck hunters. That's your motivation. 
I like to go RVing, I hang out with other RVers. If I like to go ride my Harley, I hang out with other Harley guys. What is that doing? It's exposing my motivation. Does that make sense? If I hang out with, with critical people, criticalness is going to come off on me. It means I'm motivated and drawn to critical people. Everybody okay? I hear a lot of people say, I'm changing gears here. I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. <laughs> that makes me so mad. I'm married, but if I don't ever go home, I'm in trouble. And Mrs. Yarbrough said, Amen. Listen, plugging into the local church is a spiritual discipline. We don't grow by ourselves. It is important that we come into unity with the body of Christ. So I've given you one. Let me put up some examples of spiritual discipline. Let's put them up here, guys. Here they are. Every once in a while, praying is good for you. Is that what that says? How often do you pray? Then what's the next one? Reading the Bible. Worship. Is that just on Sunday? Here's another one. Giving, tithing. These are spiritual disciplines. This is stuff that follows you into eternity. When you get to heaven, this stuff will meet you there. That's it. What's the next one? Serving. Fasting. Communion. Meditating on Scripture. This is eternal stuff that I'm talking about. These are spiritual disciplines. Everybody say spiritual disciplines. Write this down. Great, great growth happens in intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Great growth happens in intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 3.14, Paul said the famous words, I press toward the high calling. That's an exercise term. I press, I push, I'm straining against something. Listen to this. Spiritual disciplines are hard, but they produce great growth. That means it's hard to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and open my Bible and read it. It's supposed to be hard. You're pushing against something. Pushing makes you stronger. It's supposed to be hard to pray and get started praying sometimes and your mind get distracted. You're supposed to push through that. It's hard to give and to tithe when you're looking at your budget. But you push through it. I press through it. As I press through it, I'm getting stronger. If y'all could see my spiritual guns right now, y'all would be going, whoa. <laughs> I got spiritual abs like you've never seen. <laughs> y'all following me? Oh, my goodness. This message is going over well. Y'all want another nugget before I close? Write this one down. Might be the best thing I say all day, and then I'm going to pray. I think I'm done. I'm like Forrest Gump. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> can y'all handle this one? Are you sure you can handle it? Okay. All right. Put your toes up in your seat. Write it down. Life is not about making me happy. 
Life is about making me holy. Life is not about making me happy. Life is about making me holy. And the more I do these spiritual disciplines, the more I say yes to following Him when I don't want to, the more I'm pressing against something, getting stronger. Mr. D, come on up to this keyboard. i got to close because this rain's put everybody to sleep. And he's going to play, and all that means is you think I'm closing. i got a whole other message to preach. That was the intro. What y'all putting your Bibles up for? <laughs> Everybody grabbing purses like y'all think it's time to go home. Isn't God good? I said, isn't God good? God is good all the time? <laughs> Let's do that again because that was kind of bad. God is good all the time? And all the time God is good. Hey, will not y'all stand up for me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! I feel you in this place, sir. I feel you in this place. <laughs> I feel you in this place. Worship team, come join us. Come join us. Worship team, I need you up here. I want to see you Cause you are holy, holy, holy You are holy, holy, holy You are holy one so the folks on camera can online can be a part of our altar call today I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and even at home I want you to bow your head and close your eyes God is moving on you God is ministering to you right now if you're here today this is the first altar call that I want to give especially for online if you're if you're here today or watching and you don't know Jesus God forbid tonight you laid your head on your pillow and you never woke up. Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready if Jesus comes calling for you tonight? Are you ready if he comes calling for you before the day is over? Have you made him not just Savior, but have you made him the Lord of your life? There's a difference between making him Savior and Lord. When I talk about Lord, I'm talking about a daily yes to following Him. Every moment of my life, I'm faced with a decision. Do I follow Jesus right here? 
Do I say no to me and yes to Him because my flesh wants to do all kinds of things? But when I accepted Christ, I died to myself. And that's what I'm asking you today. I'm asking you today to die to yourself. To live as Christ, to die as gain. And I'm asking you to follow Jesus. If you're here in this room and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you cannot answer that question, if I died today, that I would see Jesus in heaven. If you're not sure, I'm not asking you if you prayed a prayer when you were young. I'm asking you, are you sure? If he comes knocking, if he comes calling, are you ready to meet Jesus? If you're watching on camera or you're here today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I need a Lord and I want to say yes to following you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. I accept you right now as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for coming into my heart and making me a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. And I make a decision to follow Jesus. I make a decision to follow Jesus right now in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen and amen and amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you're watching or you're here today and you prayed that prayer, you need to get in a good Bible-believing church and you need to get connected to the local body of Christ. And I ought to hear some amens in this body. Amen. And we want to help you. If you're here in this room, you come up in a moment. We want to put this book in your hand. If you're watching online, email us and we'll put, get this book to you. Lord, today I thank you for the souls that have been saved today. Amen. If it's one or two, it was worth it. Pastor Daniel, we're fixing to start doing something, son. We're fixing to, we're going to start recording how many people get saved. We're going to start keeping up with it. And I don't know what that number's going to be when I go meet Jesus, but I'm fixing to give hell, hell. I'm fixing to give hell, hell. We're going to see more people born again than we've ever seen before in the history of our church. We're going to see more people accept Christ. More people on their way to heaven. Can I hear an amen? Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.